continue to look into the subject of what we should be, uh, what should, while we attend meetings, and what should be taking place within them when we come together as the people of God. <clears throat> this is the second little uh, part of that uh, message. So I'm just going to read a few verses again from Acts chapter 2. I won't uh, read too much of it. Just as a reminder, it says this of those that were saved. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They devoted themselves to those four things. But I want to pick up also now, just before I move on, and read to you in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14, if you would read in your Bibles, picking up in verse 26 there, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 26, it says this, uh, uh, the, the little t subtitle heading in my Bible says, orderly worship. It says, what shall we, what then shall we say, brothers, when you come together, everyone has a hymn. Now, I think that most of God's people have forgotten that God says, when you come together, He's given every one of us something to participate, to give, to make available to him and to his people. So when you come together, everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. All of these must be done for the strengthening of the church. If anyone speaks in a tongue... Two or at the most three should speak one at a time and someone should interpret. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and God. Two or three prophets should speak and the others should weigh carefully what is said. I hope you just listen to this and we need to just help our people to understand these things. And if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop. For you can all prophesy in turn, so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. And I just want to pick up in verse 40 when it says, if everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. Now, last the last uh, little message that I gave on this subject, I just mentioned that when we come together in our meetings, why the New Testament church met, one of the reasons was to encounter Christ. We also said that they came to worship, to worship God, keep Christ at the center, of all things, acknowledge God's goodness and kindness. And then they also came to hear from God through the preaching, the teaching, the gifts of the Spirit, the ministry of uh, the priesthood of all believers. And we pick up in the fourth little thing now this morning. And uh, the fourth little ingredient to what they came, uh, why they attended meetings and what happened in their meetings was they came to pray. They devoted themselves also to prayer. Acts chapter 2 verse 42 said, and you'll find that uh, so often in the, in the New Testament, right through the life of Jesus, right through the life of the, new, the disciples and the New Testament church, that they came to pray. Praying really is to speak to God, speak often to Him. Um, 
this seems to me that this is saying that it wasn't just the leader or the guy who's going to be the, doing the preaching, but it was the people. They prayed. They came together. Now, I know that some churches, we have a little prayer meeting before the prayer, before the meeting, and that's good, and we should. But we, so seldom do we get the believers there. There's just a small little handful. And we need to help all of God's people being able to participate in praying. We need to cultivate an attitude of prayer in the life of the church. In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, it says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not unto your own understanding. And then it says this, In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. The New International Version says, In all your ways submit to Him. The New Living Translation says, In all your ways seek His will in all you do. So, Prayer is an acknowledgement that we need God. Prayer is to acknowledge Him in everything. And when we acknowledge God in the way that He wants us to through prayer, conversing with God, speaking to God, um, so that God can speak back to us, it prepares our hearts, but it also, it, 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 it's, it's um, where God can actually break into our, our midst and let it, as we express our own desires and needs and uh, as, as the people of God, not just the one guy leading. I hope you're understanding that. Speak to God often. Uh, in, in this acknowledging God, I, I'm, I'm, I understand this to mean that we need to claim His promises. We need to confess His promises. The marvelous, His promises are marvelous and they cover every aspect of life. But so often what I find is that it's just vain repetition. Some people saying the same old words, uh, repetitious, vain, uh, not from the heart. And sometimes in order to try and act more sincere or to get God to move, I don't know what it is, we start shouting at God, a confusing volume with power, volume with authority. Uh, we need to just get back to where all God's people can pray. And those that whisper and those that speak loudly, all of us. Jeremiah 33 verse 3 says, Call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and marvelous things that you don't know anything about, which you know not. So look at how often Jesus and the New Testament church, the disciples, how often they prayed. Moving on quickly, I hope that... You get what I'm trying to say there. They also came to break bread. They devoted themselves also to the breaking of uh, the breaking of bread. You see, breaking of bread, I just want to remind you, and we need to be reminding our people that when we're breaking bread, it's a reminder of the cost of our salvation. It's a, it's a, it's a sense of gratitude. Hey, God, this is the price Jesus paid. When I take this bread, this was, represents his body, this, this wine, this represents his blood. And there's healing in the blood and there's forgiveness in the blood. And there's authority in the blood and there's protection in the blood. And there's an access into heaven through the blood, access to the very throne room of God through the blood. It's, uh, we're acknowledging every time we break bread. And that's why I believe we need to do it more, very often, not only in the meetings, but even our homes and in home cells or whatever you call them. We need to be acknowledging the cost of our salvation and our gratitude for it, for Christ paying that price. But it's also a time where we get revelation in the breaking of bread, in the time 
uh, from God. It's a, it's a, it can be a relational time where we get more related to God. We can get more uh, related into our, our friends and that when we, we take the bread and we say, this is my body which is broken for you. And we think, Lord, we don't want your body to be broken. We're the members of your body. We don't want it broken anymore. We want to live in the unity of the Spirit. But we can have physical and emotional and spiritual healing at every level. Moving on quickly. The sixth uh, reason why they gathered and what should be taking in our place in our meetings on a Sunday or whenever it is that we get together, they came to be strengthened uh, in Christ. 1 Corinthians 14, 26, where it says that all of these must be do done for the strengthening of the body. And in, in Ephesians 4, 29, uh, Paul writes and says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up. So that links in with the next little reason why they came, and that was to bring gifts to build others up. You'll find that in 1 Corinthians 14, 26 to 33. We read part of that. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20, uh, 15 to, and 16. We need to bring, come to the meeting <coughs> to, to bring with us what, what will build up the people of God. Words, encouragement, uh, gifts given, gifts spoken, whatever the case may be. Another, quickly moving on, I'm sorry that I'm, I'm seeming to rush through these things. Each one is a lesson on its own. But they, they came to experience relation to partnership with Christ and with believers. They came to experience partnership. That's why they met together. They realized they're partners with Christ. He's made us co-laborers together with Christ. Heirs together with Him. And if you would read 1 Corinthians 12 verses 4 through to 6, Romans chapter 12 verses 4 to 8, that, uh, so when we come together and we're in partnership, then that means we're recognizing all of the gift, uh, ministries and gifts, making room for all of them to operate. Not just my preaching gift or not just the few things that we normally allow, so the, the leaders of the uh, music group, the singers, etc., but all of us making room for the gifts that all of us have. And once I, I think I've said this before, but when we start to move and do this the way God wants us to, then people haven't got to leave to go and express their ministry outside where our church won't uh, make room for it. They came also, number, I think it's number nine, they came to cooperate with God. Coming to the meetings, they came to cooperate with God. They wanted to respond to Him the same as Jesus did, to obey what He says. When they hear the preaching of the Word of God, they say, God, we've got to do this. We as a church have got to do this, not just an individual. Yes, it takes me as an individual, my wife as an individual, my child, whatever. But it's to us together. We've got to all do this together, not just leave it to the few. God wants the majority involved, not the minority. The majority carrying the load, not the minority carrying the majority. Scripture actually goes as far as to say obedience is actually better than sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And that's in 1 Samuel 15, 22. And uh, even through what is prophesied, uh, Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5, 20, despise not prophesying. If there's an accurate, genuine prophecy, we should not despise it by just ignoring it. Or disobeying it. So we enter into fellowship and partnership with God. 
And James gives us a warning that if we just, in James chapter 1, verse 22 to 25, if we just hear us and not do as we deceive ourselves, that's, that's self-deception is worse than demonic deception, actually, because with demonic deception, you can cast demons out. With self-deception, only you can get to the place where you say, God, I'm deceiving myself. And you see, every time I believe this, by the Word of God, if you hear what the Word of God says, if you hear what God's trying to say to the church, and you just ignore it, you're deceiving yourself. It's self-deception. So, moving on. We, they, the New Testament church came also to be transformed by Christ. Not just changed from the inside you, where our lives are transformed. Uh, you see, Paul writes, uh, Jesus said this, well, Luke wrote and said that in Mark 16, verse 20, that the Lord confirmed his word with signs following. Now, we just have kind of narrowed that down and made it just like get a couple of miracles. But signs following is if I'm preaching on tithing, then the signs that follow preaching on tithing is that the people start to tithe. If I'm preaching on love and the, and the signs that follow should be that the people start to love. Signs following. And uh, it's not just these gifts of the, these supernatural miracles every now and then. It's our lives are to be transformed. Signs following the preaching of the word, the, the gifts of the spirit, whatever may be taking place in the lives of uh, in the church at that time, as our minds are trans, uh, transformed or our, our minds are renewed, as Romans chapter 12 tells us. And then we we move on to the, the 10th thing. Um, I think it's the 10th one, but whatever it is. we They came together to seek the kingdom of God, to see it come on earth as in heaven. See, the togetherness church is where we should experience genuine, truthful kingdom life and lifestyle, covenantal relationships, the power of God. We open ourselves individually and to get our togetherness to his authority. Say, Lord, you are the king. You're the Lord. And we're going to do what you want us to do. We want to see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, you see, when we submit ourselves to the authority of Christ, we need to remember there are four areas of authority that Christ has in our lives. The home, the church, our country, and in our, and our economies. And the kingdom of God needs to come into our homes, into our church, into our country, and the economies of God. So how and when does the kingdom of God come? I just want to give you a few little quick things that I'd like to pick this up later somewhere in another message and preach a little more on this. But the kingdom of God comes when a believer submits to God's leadership. The moment I say yes to Christ's leadership, his authority, his, then the kingdom of God comes into my life. When healing and deliverance occurs, the future kingdom breaks into the present kingdom. Because up there, there's going to be no more sickness, no more suffering, no more sorrows. And when that future kingdom breaks into the Present our present life or the present system, for a moment, it never stays long, only when he comes back. But every time that happens, a miracle of any sorts, the kingdom comes. When biblical purity is present, whenever there's biblical purity, the kingdom is broken in. When biblical prosperity takes place, 
biblical, not we go and borrow money and then say God provided. When God supernaturally provides, the kingdom breaks in. Signs, wonders and miracles. Yes, in Acts chapter four, uh, 2, verse 43. All of these, the future kingdom breaking into the present kingdom is the kingdom of God in our midst. A lot more to say about that, but we move on. We come also to get our perspectives cleared up and our priorities sorted out. If you were to read Colossians chapter 2, verse 20, to chapter 3, verse 4, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 9 through to 13, you'll see that God can sort out our priorities and get our perspectives right again, cleared up, because all of these, as I said in the beginning in the first message, the pain and pressure of life can distort things for Christians. And so often we can no longer see the wood for the trees. So God helps us to see how precious we are to Him when we come together. And we, to once again, we get caught up in, to his, with, into his eternal purposes. Then we come quickly moving on to be loved, to find acceptance, experience forgiveness, the koinonia fellowship of God. As the Acts chapter 2 verse 30, 42 says, and Acts chapter 4 verse 32 to 37 says, we find healing, we find forgiveness, we find refreshing, reconciliation, restoration, genuine friendship, security. Stability and security. All of these things happen when we should be happening when we come together in genuine, devoted koinonia fellowship. Then we, there's another thing quickly moving on, and I've got just a few a minute or two left now to get to know God in ways that are in different ways to what we experience Him on our own, alone in our bedroom or just with our family. The things that that we're hesitant about, that we're a little scared of that God can break in and break those things. Sometimes our prejudices and our fears and our wrong perceptions limit God from being able to, to reveal certain things to us about himself. And here we can, he can break through all those hindrances if we just keep our hearts open when we come to get together like that. And so coming to the last little point of things that should happen and why they came to, to minister, to, to meet together was to see the last one. To see the last one. In other words, a harvest. Like 1 Corinthians 14, 22 to 25, the 24th verse. Take note of that. But when the, someone comes in who's not saved, that they can understand and say, Wow, God's in your midst and get saved. Well, how does all this happen? Not just by being there. Not because you've got needs. Not because you were disciplined enough to come and paid a little bit of a price. No, it comes through, th through things primarily. And I'm going to just touch them quickly in closing. These things happen in our meetings. First, by faith. Secondly, by faithfulness. By faithfulness. And thirdly, by force. The force of God. By faith. Faith comes as a result of us hearing what God says. Not with just the physical ears, in our hearts. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. As Romans chapter 10, read those 17 verses uh, from verse 1 through to 17 about faith. Faith comes when we claim God's promises. And when we claim God's promises, we go and do what God says. We can't say, I claim your promises and live in disobedience. We've got a, the Israelites, it says in Romans chapter 10, verse 16, but not all of all the Israelites 
accepted the good news. So by faith, and uh, you remember what um, God, uh, God told Joshua chapter 1 verse 3, every place upon which your foot shall tread I've given to you. We need to claim ground, confess God's promises, claim them, stand upon them. We have to act upon what God says. Faith is being sure of what, uh, of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. So too many of us are too passive, too apathetic. Uh, without faith, it's impossible to please God because those who come to him must believe that he exists and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So don't be apathetic. We've got to mix what God says with faith. We've got to, and one of the quickest ways to mix with God, what God says with faith is to say, okay, here I am. I'm going to do what you said, Lord. I'm going to obey you. We don't have to know all the details. I, Abraham didn't know where he was going. He just went because God said so. Didn't know what he was going to. And sometimes we just got to say, God, I don't know where this is going to lead, but I, I'm, I hear you. I'm going to obey you. I'm responding. And off we go. By faithfulness. Faithfulness is cooperation. I've touched it a bit here in the first little part of this. But it's obedience. Another People don't like the word obedience anymore in the body of Christ. So I'm going to use the word cooperation, but I simply mean obedience, if you don't mind me saying that. Ananias' response to, to, uh, to Jesus' challenge uh, in Acts chapter 9, verse 17, he says that because you said so, I'm scared. I know that what this man's like, but I'm going to go. I, I, we just have to say, God, I'm going to cooperate with you. And... Uh, this is what it means, really. When we cooperate with God in faith, that's when we keep in step with the Holy Spirit. That's when we walk in, in the Spirit. And Jesus did whatever the Father told him to do. And Mary, his mother, said to him, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And what did they get? Water into wine. And there's the supernatural takes place. And so there's a very penetrating question here that I, I've got to ask, bring to you. Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Jesus actually says this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I tell you to do? And yet I see people raise their hands in the meetings saying, Lord, I praise you. And they call him Lord, but they don't do what he says. Preachers preach, gifts of the Spirit operate, and they walk off and they live the same, doing in their disobedient life. And we as pastors, the leaders, we say that's fine. As long as they come and sit in our meetings and make us look good, it's going to change. And it only changes as we preach and show them and live it by demonstration and by our lips. And then by force, uh, Matthew eleven twelve 12 says that the kingdom of God comes by, through forceful people. What is the forceful? Well, we've been given supernatural, spiritual weapons. We've been given uh, prayer as a supernatural weapon. We've got uh, the gifts of the Spirit. We've got the armor of God. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4, Ephesians 6, 10 to 20. Earth is the battleground, not a playground. It's the arena where the battle of life is won or lost. Exuberant prayer and praise, the Revelation 8, 1 to 6. The Psalm 50 that we spoke about earlier, that the Lord inflicts vengeance, binds up the, the powers. But it also means, by force also means by working in response to God, uh, Laborers, a few, Jesus said, we need laborers who will work 
And uh, 1 Thessalonians 1 3 says, Work of faith and labor of love. So we need to ex exercise our authority, and that's when the kingdom of God comes. Well, folk, break the mold, move from what churches normally like, and get into what God wants us to be doing, so that our meetings become what Christ Christ centered, worshipful, hearing God, doing what God says, authority exercise. Nations change, our churches transform, the people in our churches are transformed, and people come to know Christ, and He gets all the glory. And we are, thank you now, Lord Jesus, that you hear me, you hear this prayer, that I'm praying for these people. God bless them and help them to live it out, and help me in my life too, the church I'm in, and all the churches around the world, in Jesus' name. And we'll give you the praise, for you alone are worthy, no one else but you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.